JP2 Morning Cruise Show, and my name is Eddie Madueño. Today I'm co-hosting and chatting with Steve Splonskowski and special co-host Father Anthony Soroki of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church in Rancho Peñasquitos. Uh, Steve, Father, how are you gentlemen doing today? I'm doing great this morning, Eddie. How are you doing? I'm doing great also. I'm blessed. Yes, I, I agree. I'm blessed too. Thanks, Eddie. Outstanding. That's That's fantastic. So, uh, everyone, Father Soroki is back in the studio this morning, again, as both guest and co-host. We'll talk to us in a minute about his guest, but first, a little bit about Father Soroki. Also, be sure to stay tuned after this show for the Life is Worth Living with Archbishop Fulton Sheen show. So, uh, Father, before we begin, can you please lead us in a short prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of our faith and ascending Jesus as the good shepherd who seeks us out, um, especially when we've lost our way. Uh, please help us always to be attentive to his voice. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, Father, Thank tell you, us Father. a little bit. Of, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself this morning, Father. So um, I've been uh, a priest since 2005. I grew up in San Diego. Uh, my parents are immigrants from Iraq. They're Chaldeans and they... Uh, they first went to Michigan, and then when I was two years old, we moved to San Diego. So I grew up here. Uh, prior to being uh, a priest, prior to entering seminary, I had uh, actually was a, an attorney. I worked in litigation for a local firm, and uh, but I had been thinking about uh, and praying about for a few years before that uh, a call to the priesthood. I've been uh, at my current parish for ten and a half years, our Lady of Mount Carmel, and. Uh, and I really love love being a priest and being a pastor. That's awesome. And before we, we move on a little bit, Father, tell us a little bit about the Chaldean uh, rite of the of the Catholic faith. It's a little different than the Roman rite. Just give us a couple of yeah. things that stand out to you. Sure. So, yeah, there are other um, churches uh, with different traditions and, and languages and um, that are, we call them Eastern rite churches, and the Chaldean church is one of these. Um, so basically... <laughs> All the way back in 50 AD, uh, Thomas the Apostle uh, uh, preached the gospel to my ancestors, and that was the beginning of the Chaldean Church. So Aramaic is the language of the liturgy, um, which is uh, not exactly the version of Aramaic that Jesus spoke, but pretty close. Um, and they, you know, I think it's been called the the Church of Martyrs because um, First, the church was persecuted by the Persian Empire, which is where, where they were situated. This is, this is in Iraq, in modern-day Iraq and Iran. And then, um, and then after that, of course, Islam came. And so the, the faithful there suffered for many centuries under different kinds of, of persecution and difficult conditions. So I'm always really grateful when I think about the fact that, you know, that I had so many generations that, that kept the faith under difficult conditions so that I, you know, I, and I got to be blessed by that. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So, uh, Father, uh, you, you mentioned you're from San Diego, so I understand you've taken up surfing. Is that correct? So, yeah. Interestingly, um, I didn't. I didn't take it up when I was younger. I um, 
took it up as probably now about seven years or six years ago. We actually had a, a men's event at my parish and we tried to do some fun stuff. And so we actually had a, a one of our parishioners is an expert surfer, got together a bunch of foam boards and about, I think at the time, 15 of us learned to surf. And then I, um, I really enjoyed it and I picked it up and I go about once a week. So interesting. So I've had the uh, the honor of meeting another uh, San Diego surfing priest, which is uh, Father Donald Calloway. <laughs> I don't know if, if you know I, Father Calloway. I've met him. We've actually had him at our parish many years ago and shared. He has an amazing conversion story. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's uh, there's something about surfing and, and uh, uh, priesthood, I guess. So um, maybe you can tell us, the, how does surfing help you as a priest? So first of all, um, I it's actually kind of I I pray when I surf, and I think the uh, the environment is conducive to that because it's it's the vastness and beauty and power of the ocean that uh, reminds me of that of God. And there's times of stillness and waiting. Uh, you really have to also be discerning and observe what's happening with the water and and learn um, how to read waves, basically. Um, and then also too, you know, you just um, you don't get to control it. You know, you, you have to respond to what the ocean's giving you, and then you have to cooperate with it. So actually, I think it's a, uh, it's a perfect uh, analogy for the life of grace, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, and then it's also, it's just one of those experiences too, where you get, you're so immersed in it that all your problems, all your concerns disappear for the, for that period of time. And I think everyone needs, everyone needs some kind of activity like that in their life. Maybe it's, gardening or it's something else where um where you can really just be immersed in it you know as, as you're speaking father it occurs to me too that there's probably a lot of lessons about balance too right Obviously, <laughs> there's, yeah, abso- absolutely yes yeah. yes i mean the slightest shift of your weight can make all the difference you know and so um balance there's, there's also you know humility so as you um even as i, I consider myself an intermediate surfer now but even now you know, um, there's, there's times where you, 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 you wipe out and, uh, and you just, you know, you have to learn, learn to accept those, those failures. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh speaking of, uh, humility and hopefully not wiping out, it's a good segue to, uh, to let you know, Father, that occasionally we play a Catholic challenge, a Catholic quiz meant to test our beloved guests. So are you up for the challenge? Let's do it. So, uh, simple, true or false, so you 50-50 chance here. Um, the question is, there are five books of the Bible named after women. Okay. True or um, false. Yeah, so Esther and Ruth are the first ones that come to mind. Um, gosh. <laughs> um, I am having trouble getting beyond those. Um. <laughs> How about Steve, you want to be a phone I mean, a friend, is there, Steve? Is, is there a, a lifeline? Yeah, lifeline. Yeah. Phone a friend. There you go. Books named after women in the Bible. Uh, well, yeah. So we have you have Esther, Ruth. Um, so it's actually true or false, right? So true or false. Um, oh, oh no! I, oh, sorry. Is it true or false? Sorry, I would say true false. Or false. Then. Yeah, I do not say, think. Yeah. I do not think there are five books named after women. Yeah, false. And the the correct answer is false. Okay. So so you're you're correct. Um, 
And full disclosure, I have no clue, but I have the uh, notes here. Uh, according to the notes, there are three books named after oh. women. It's, uh, as you correctly stated, Father Esther, Ruth, and there's Judith. Oh, Judith. Yeah, of course. So, okay. There you go. So, Father, uh, easy, hard quiz. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, was that, would you say that that was a, a, an easy uh, quiz or hard? As, as, true, as true or false, I would say that was actually easy. Okay. But to, to yeah, to maybe to name you know. them might be a little harder, but yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. So um, if you would, Father, if you'll tell us a little bit about your uh, your guest, Dr. Dr. John Sorosanti. Yeah. So um, I got to know John. Uh, I'm a chaplain for the San Diego chapter of Legatus, which is, uh, which is basically uh, business executives that, who gather to learn more about their faith. And um, so as a chaplain, I, you know, I, I offer mass, hear confessions, and I sit next to uh, different members at, at, uh, at the dinners. And I got to know him through that, uh, although we do have a connection because uh, his uh, son married one of the, um, one of the attorneys I worked with uh, many, many years ago. Um, and so um, he just basically, he, he, you know, we were talking and he said, you know, Father, I'm, uh, I'm writing an autobiography. I said, really? Uh, you know, um, and uh, so can I tell you a little bit about it? He told me a little bit about, about um, some of the highlights of his autobiography. And then he asked if I could read a couple chapters. And I, I found his story to be fascinating. And um, so I read a few of his chapters, gave him some feedback on it. And then uh, I thought, you know, that I, I was asked to do some interviews for uh, JP2 Radio. I thought he'd be a, he'd be an interesting guest. Outstanding. All right. So, uh, all right. Thank you, Father, for that. And so without further ado, here's Father Soroki and Dr. John Sotosanti. This is Father Anthony Soroki for JP2 Radio. I'm here with Dr. John Sotosanti. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning, Father Soroki. So uh, would you first tell the listeners just briefly a little bit about uh, what do you do for work and, and a little bit about your family? Okay. I've been a perionist for more than 40 years. been married to my wife for over 50 years. And I have three children and three grandchildren. Great. And where do you go to church on Sundays? All Hallows on top of Mount Soledad. Yeah. Beautiful place. So you and I got to know each other a little better through something called Legatus. It's a, an organization for Catholic business leaders and um, got to sit next to you at a couple of dinners. Right. And, um, and you had shared with me that you were writing an autobiography. And, um, and you asked if I would read one of the chapters and give you some feedback. And um, I, you sent it to me and I read it and I, I thought it was fascinating. And, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but I, I want to first ask, why did you decide to write an autobiography? Well, I had fortunately done well in my profession. Uh, I had everything one could ask for. I had the American dream, we'll say, big house near the ocean, fancy car. And I reached a point in my life when I was extremely stressed and very anxious for a variety of reasons. And I finally needed help. And I was able to get it through the faith in the Lord. And I wanted to share that story with 
of the people. So it, it's mainly to share this story about how um, how the faith and, and people of faith um, really helped you uh, kind of turn your life in a different direction. Yeah, I think a lot of people turn to drugs and other things to try to get away from the stress and the anxiety. And they have addictions, which are, are harmful. And, and this is such a wholesome yeah. alternative. Absolutely. So um, there's a couple experiences that you relate in your autobiography that are connected with very popular Catholic pilgrimage sites. Right. One, the first one is the Camino de Santiago. And uh, our listeners may not know, this is in Spain. It's a, a very ancient pilgrimage route. Pilgrims start from the different places. They uh, either walk or bike. And the goal is to arrive at the uh, Cathedral of St. James in, um, in Santiago de Compostela and actually where his bones are. So, uh, so John, would you tell me, first of all, uh, why did you decide to do the Camino? Several reasons. I found out about it through a friend who said his wife was walking across Spain by herself for six weeks, and I was shocked by that. So no, was I, that the first you'd ever heard of it? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That seems strange to you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't picture my wife <laughs> leaving home, walking across by herself in the dark. Um, you know, I just couldn't. And this, this, this fellow was quite comfortable with it. So I bought a book, read the entire book. And, and uh, just about that time, my son Mark called. And, and, and Mark's your son, Mark's who, I, who I, I knew, to I knew Martha, before, who you, who you who I used know. to work with. Yeah. And they were both very successful professionals, and they had decided they wanted to have children. And Martha uh, had two miscarriages, unfortunately. And I remember the day that Mark called me and said, Dad, I have some bad news. Just went to the doctor, and the doctor said, we'll probably never be able to have children of, of our own. And um, I was very saddened by that, because mm -hmm. as an Italian, big families were very important. And now I couldn't have grandchildren. And I had no control over the situation anyway whatsoever. Right. And then I thought, well, you know, God, maybe. And then while I was reading the book, I found out there was a saint by the name of San Juan de Ortega. And he lived in a small little hamlet, tiny little place, and uh, about halfway across the Camino. And Isabella of Spain in the year 1480-something went there to pray for a child because the saint was known as a patron saint for infertile women. And she had had a daughter, but seven years passed of have, trying to have children. She had an, actually had a miscarriage, and uh, like Martha did. And uh, she prayed, and a year, nine months later, she had a baby boy. And that's all documented in history. Yes, and so, and so you thought then you're going you're gonna to make this pilgrimage, and you're going to pray especially for for your son Mark and your daughter-in-law Martha and ask God that he might bless them with children. True. And there was one other reason. A very good friend came down with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, very oh. sick, very weak, and very depressed, but a Catholic, good Catholic. So I said to him, I said, Mike, how would you like to do the Camino de Santiago with me? And he said, you are crazy. He said, I cannot walk around the block and you want, I just got off of radiation and chemo and you want me to ride across Spain? I said, we've got six months to train. So we trained for six months along with two other friends. And by the time you were there, had his health improved? And oh, was, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. he got stronger and stronger okay. and stronger until we could go up to Oceanside from La Jolla and back 50 miles in one day. Did, did that regularly. So I know there's a lot. It was a great adventure. You're, you're, um, 
Camino experience, but I want to um, focus. There was a an experience you had in a in a small church. Well, the church had to do with the saint. Yes, everybody so else wanted to get to the bones of Saint James and Santiago de Compostela at the end of the trip. But I was focused on getting to that little church and going down in the tomb of San of San Juan de Ortega. So when we Sorry, got, to, and is, it was that that was on route. Then. That, that was on route. Okay. Sure, we're okay. bicycling. And so it was, everyone's there. They don't even know about it. Don't care about it. But yeah, you you uh, want to spend some time there, right? Uh, my friend Mike knew about it because he I had told him about it. And the moment we came into town, we were starving. We had been riding for two or three hours, and Mike left. We ordered lunch, and Mike left, and he disappeared. I'm eating my sandwich, and Mike comes back and says, you got to get down to that church. I said, why? He said, oh, he said, I, I just came from Lourdes, because he went to Lourdes to, to pray for healing. And he said, it was it was special in Lourdes, but this was unbelievable. I walked into the tomb in the dark, and there was a saint's tomb, and I've never felt the presence of God as I did there. Drop your sandwich and go down to the church right now. And before. that's a big statement, because Mike's a very faithful, prayerful person. Absolutely. So for him to say... That he's never felt the presence of God anywhere else before. Yeah, so you you, you, know you stopped my, eating your lunch, I dropped my sandwich, <laughs> and followed his directions. Went down to the church. There was a staircase down there. Went down in the dark, and walked into the tomb area. Felt the moisture and the dankness and everything else. And what was so unusual, I had an accident that morning, and my knee was totally skinned raw. But the moment I walked in there. I knelt immediately. I had no choice. I just, it was just like I, something I had to do. And I felt no pain. And as my eyes became accustomed to the darkness, I could see the, the sarcophagus, we'll call it the casket, down on the floor below because I'm on an elevated platform with a, with a railing. And as the votive candles shed light and my eyes opened up on the far wall, was a wooden cross about six feet tall, three or four feet wide. And I'm looking at the cross and I'm looking at the casket and I'm kneeling and I start praying for a baby. And then I could not believe what happened. What, what happened after that? I looked at that cross and I saw superimposed on that cross a two foot tall blazing cross i mean it was it was actually it looked, I, I, it looked I, like like fire blazing yeah yeah like fire but i couldn't believe it and i thought this is some sort of spanish disneyland show i triggered something when i walked in and they are projecting this on the wall because what ended up happening is that one cross lasted only for a few seconds and it divided almost like a sperm Hmm. impregnates an egg and the egg divides it's all it cell division at the beginning of life yeah and it do, and, so you're so, seeing this one cross and then multiple crosses well yeah divided into the outer ones divided hmm. so from one went to three the outer ones divided now we have five blazing crosses that the outer ones divided and i'm looking at seven blazing crosses yes. and they and and they and they and they stay seven blazing seven which I didn't know at that time is a significant number in the church. You, you didn't know about that. I, didn't know about <laughs> okay. I, was, I wasn't a good Catholic. Okay, okay. That too. okay. Yeah. So this um, is my transformation. So you first thought there's some kind of projection, some kind of devices. I was a lecturer, lectured all over the world, and I was so used to Kodak carousel projectors from yeah. you know shining a, an image on, what, on a what wall. What was or a your um, going into this? What was your sense of 
visions, miracles, supernatural things? Never really had any before. Never. No. Okay. I'm not sure I believe they were possible. I was a scientist. I had written a dozen okay. or more scientific papers. But uh, you could not, um, you couldn't uh, disbelieve what you were seeing. No, and I, I tried everything. I said, the, my, I must be my glasses are reflecting light from the vote of candles, and somehow that's turning into an image of crosses. So I reached to take my glasses off, and they weren't on. They were in my back pocket. Oh. Okay. Wow. Okay, so every other explanation. Is- Finally ran out of explanations, and then so- I gave in. So, I, so I want to talk a little bit now, and I know that, that you, again, you made it all the way to the tomb of St. James, but what was the fruit of this experience? What was the good, good things or things that happened? Yeah, well, ways? I'll tell you, um, that trance, I went into kind of a trance for 10 minutes, and when, when I came out of it, basically, I, I felt certainty. I felt that, that, your prayer that, was God, that God was involved hmm. and that Martha would get pregnant and have a baby. What happened? Exactly that. I went, went home. And uh, she got pregnant nine months later, had a great, had a baby. And Tommy is now a junior at Yale University. He's now a junior at Yale. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So that's an amazing experience and a prayer answered. And uh, so right after that, you became this devout daily mass going Catholic? Yeah, well, I would say, no, not, not I became devout. I mean, I, be, I became a believer. A believer. I wasn't really a believer beforehand, but I, I was now a believer. I was yeah. a believer in Christ. And everything else the church said, and uh, and I became a much much better better Catholic, but I'm still my egotistical self. Uh, so this is um, you're, you're very accomplished in your profession. Uh, you're very smart, and so that you struggle with pride, like I'm, a lot of accomplished my, people do. I, all seven deadly sins were part of my life. I could even name them right now. I don't want to take the time. All right, I want to talk about now. Um, so so what year was the Camino? Camino was, uh, it was 2001. 2001. Now, again, you went on another, uh, you went to another very um, popular Catholic pilgrimage site, which is Lourdes. So tell me a little bit about the background of that. Why did you decide to go to Lourdes? Well, I had always been very healthy, but in, um, I can remember the exact moment. It was April 15, 2008. A call came from the doctor after a biopsy. And he told me that the biopsy showed that I had an aggressive form of prostate cancer that had escaped the prostate locally and locally invasive. And that I needed to get treatment right away. And it was devastating to me. I mean, I was right in the office. I had just done surgery. And, uh, you know, it was even fortunately in the afternoon, I didn't have to do surgery, just saw patients. But that night I came home and I was just so anxious, anxiety, and I envisioned I envisioned death, and even if I survived, I envisioned side effects, which I had heard about from mm-hmm. prostate treatment, and it just all seemed so gloomy. And uh, again, you know, when I can't handle something by myself, and most of the time, that's what I want to do. My pride says, you can solve this problem, but I couldn't. You couldn't. Now, you did, you know, you were probably try to find the best treatments or the best doctors or, or something like that. Was that I, yeah. Part of and I did go see, to... I did go see the best doctors. Yeah. Right. And I even tried before I went to see the doctors. That's one of the reasons why the prostate cancer was, was so bad was because my PSA had, which was a scoring system to tell you where you stand with prostate issues. I had started rising year, a couple of years ago. And I decided I was going to take care of this problem with diet. 
So I changed my right. diet, became a vegan for a while, and and went to the drugstore and got over the counter. Which uh, is, and again, nothing nothing wrong with with you know using our knowledge to try to you know improve our health or or deal with diseases. But there, of course, um, you know there are limits, and and in some ways, it's really um, it's a mercy and grace of God when we come up against those limits, and we uh, and we can't be the ones, or through human means, anyways. Um, uh, to you know, to to deal with all of our problems. So, um, so is this what then led you to say, well, maybe I I need to to go and, and make some kind of prayer. To, to and so I started going to daily mass. Okay, that's when. You, okay. And I did, and then I got a phone call about a week later from a lady by the name of Claudia who had worked for me years ago, and she was a lady that I would always consider spiritual, but she was uh, half Japanese heritage, and she was into Reiki. And all of a sudden, she when she calls, she said, Dr. Sotosani, I hear from my boss that you have prostate cancer. And so I've been praying for you. And uh, I've become a Catholic. I was shocked yeah. recently. And I, I, I go to church every day, and I go to Eucharistic Adoration. Yeah. Almost didn't know what it was. And then but she connected you with the Padre Pio she prayer said, group. She said, so she said, this morning I was praying for you during yeah. Eucharistic Adoration. And... I got this message for you to that you needed, she said, absolutely strong. You need to go to Padre Pio's devotion at Our Lady of the Rosary. In Little Italy. In okay. Little Italy. So we just have a few more minutes. So I know that um, it was kind of a message there, a prayer of trusting, right? What was it? What was the prayer of? Yeah, it was it was basically a Padre, there was a prayer book by Padre Pio in the prayer said, Lord, forgive me uh, for not trusting in you. Okay. And that, that impacted you. And then all of a sudden, soon after that, you had this idea that you're going to learn. Day, two day, two. Two day, next day, I'm sitting there and I just, I said, I looked up my wife and I said, honey, I have to go to Lourdes. Will you come with me? So let me, we're going to fast forward to yeah. you're going into the waters of Lourdes. Okay. Okay. Which people do? They go and they bathe there. So, in the so, healing waters. So tell so. me what you you uh, experienced. Yeah, I, I went. I went into the healing waters, extremely anxious. Not only about my cancer, but you know, basically, you go take all your clothes and you you go into <laughs> freezing this water. freezing water, fifty two degrees yeah. exactly, and two strangers, you know, uh, take you and dunk you underneath the water, and you're in this natural stone environment, kind of in, almost in the depths of a cave. And you come out, and there's a statue of Mary, Lady of Lourdes, on, on the wall, and, and you say some prayers along with the men there that are holding you. And as I did that, and as I came out of the water, I felt this overwhelming peace, most peace that I've ever felt in my life. And prior to this, you had had weeks of anxiety. Oh, over terrible. This. Absolutely. I couldn't even think straight. So this is, we would say, a spiritual healing. It was. And um, now you're still around with us, so the prostate cancer hasn't yeah, killed yeah. you. And you, but you ended up receiving treatment. I had treatment, with. and I went, I flew through treatment with no side effects whatsoever. Even though the paper documentation said I should have had. War, it warned you of all these things that yeah, didn't. And I didn't. None of those things happened, and you know, I've been 15 years totally cancer free, and praise the Lord, and praise the Lord indeed. And I guess he's he he wants to give you more time here on Earth, uh, and I think you're trying to <laughs> to uh, to use that time well to serve Him and to glorify Him. Um, and are you still uh, are you still working? Are you retired now? Yeah, pretty much. I, I write I still write scientific papers and okay. and uh, and lecture, but I don't see patients anymore. And what would you say then um, after that Lord's experience? Um, I think 
you had shared with me that, that people noticed that you were different. Absolutely. And there's yeah. even a friend of yours that noticed so much that what? you ended up. I went back into the office right after coming back and they noticed and they scheduled me a full schedule and I was back to my old self fine again. And, but I was, I was more than that. I, I, they had never seen me like this. And one of the employees who I've known for 25 years, she was a Lutheran followed me in the office after I'd just done surgery on a patient. And she said, John, whatever you have, I want. It was almost like, tell me, I said, Debbie, it, it's it's so involved. Let's go to lunch. Yeah. So I went to lunch and I just praised the Lord and the church and told and her she, she needed to be. And she ended up coming into the church. I told and her she needed to be a Catholic. Gave her 17 reasons why she needed to be a Catholic. And we I took her to RCIA, which turns out to be Deacon Mike's church. Who, well, we're, we're going to have to end here. She ended yeah. up coming into the church. And uh, as you told me, she said she became a better Catholic than you. So she was. basically, you know, you experienced the saving love of Christ and that what we're supposed to do with that. We're supposed to witness to that. And that is a way we, we bring others to him. Thank you so much for this time. I know there's a lot more of the story, but this will give our listeners just a, a little bit of a, of a taste of how God's been working in your life. Thank, thank you, Father Soroki. All right. So thank you, Father Soroki and uh, Steve. Um, this was a great program. Uh, everyone out there, please be sure to stay tuned after this show for the Life is Worth Living with Archbishop Fulton Sheen Show. Let's go, I'm here to let you know we're gonna journey through the faith with you. Come on, let's roll before your coffee gets cold. It's time for the JP2 morning.